Hi, and I want to welcome uh, Tom Walker to the Smart Building series. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Good. Great. Um, and the reason I asked you to come on and, uh, and talk to us was about, obviously, your work that you've done at Penn State University um, in the facilities management role you have there. Maybe you could just start by explaining a little bit about, uh, you know, how it was when you came there, how long you've been there, you know, what really your role entails at the moment. Um, I came from a IT background um, and started here about five years ago. Um, they asked me to come in and take this position. Um, it was previously held by a BAS person who was kind of doing IT as he learned it. And um, they really wanted to bring somebody in that had that really good IT background to kind of merge with the building automation stuff and really figure out how to structure and build out our infrastructure to be able to handle uh, up to 600 plus buildings. Um, so they brought me in. I found a lot of issues on the network infrastructure. It was a big flat layer two network all across campus. Um, we were getting broadcast storms constantly. Um, and one of the things that really kind of keyed things off for me is I found a tool that told me how many broadcasts uh, on the backness side we were having. And I started using that as my metric and found that uh, with, uh, we were sending about 90,000 packets per hour of broadcast traffic. Wow. And so we started spending time really focusing on that. And we found right off the top, we were able to knock down one building was causing over 30,000 packets of that traffic. And wow. Okay. So, and just to, just to get a scale of this, it's something like it, 32 million square feet of buildings you have across, uh, what, what, I'm just reading some of the stats here, 22,000 acres, and we're talking about over 600 buildings. So, so what, it was just one of those buildings that was causing... Just one single building yeah. across that one infrastructure was causing 30,000 packets of traffic. And, and you know, obviously, you, I guess you investigated that. What, what was the cause? Um, it was really, uh, the, it was new construction that had happened uh, about six months before I started. And when I started digging into it um, with my team, we started seeing uh, COV increments set down to 0 0.01 for a temperature increase. And this is in a, uh, our, it was actually in our new facility, our ice hockey rink. And so the temperatures fluctuate quite drastically in there, depending whether there's a game, where there's a lot of people in there. So every hundredth of a degree, it was sending a packet. <laughs> Of wow. traffic <laughs> and so that was kind of the start of it we saw that and then we started finding other things where it looked like they copy and pasted programming from a different system over into it mm -hmm. and then didn't blank out the values so it was looking for stuff that really didn't exist in our system mm -hmm. uh, so it was kind of a, a whole lot of mess of things but yeah it, it ended up being 30,000 packets which was you know a third of our network traffic yeah and I'm guessing uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you've obviously in this type of multi-campus environment, you've obviously got a lot of different buildings, you've got a, the age of the buildings is different. I mean, you must be dealing with a lot of different systems and suppliers. Um, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. How, how, how much kind of kit are you dealing with um, across your whole portfolio? Uh, when I first started, we had roughly 13 different control systems. Um, ALC is 
our automated logic is our primary vendor. We have about 80% of our university park campus is in that system. Um, but we have Johnson, we have Siemens, and we have different vintages of Siemens all across this campus. Um, we had an old Honeywell DGP system. Uh, that one's finally gone. Uh, we have Allerton. Uh, most of the Allerton is gone at this point. And uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, oh, System Stafa 3. Oh, wow. Or System 3 Stafa. Um, so we're running an old Unix Go box. We still have 20 plus buildings running on that system that hopefully by the end of the next fiscal year, we'll have the rest of that gone. Um, so it'll be primarily Siemens, Johnson, Delta, and uh, ALC being the primary. Yeah. And obviously we're talking a lot there about environmental control. Um, are you also responsible for lighting, access control, fire, all, all of those systems as well? Uh, not currently fire, but that's beginning to change. Uh, we manage uh, card access, elevators, vibration monitoring, uh, lighting, um, pretty much anything to deal with the building infrastructure that has control capability, it rides through our network infrastructure. Okay, so this is all on your, uh, your network. And is, yes. is, is that shared with the IT department? How, how is a, or your the facility's primary responsibility and a separate network? We here at University Park have a completely separate fiber optic uh, routed core three uh, routed layer three core network that um, we manage ourselves. It was built out uh, long before the main telecommunications group here had infrastructure because we were going into buildings that they didn't necessarily need to put stuff into. So we were going into sheds and barns and uh, outlying buildings that just there wasn't a need for regular IT type infrastructure. Mm. Um, so we built out our full separate network here. Now over the last year, some of that has changed, at least on the Commonwealth side. Um, we began working in a partnership with the ENCS group to start uh, utilizing their backbones to some of these other uh, campus locations. They have a couple uh, uh, redundancies put in place that we are able to take advantage of. They give us a uh, port off of a switch in their infrastructure, and then we put our switch behind that. Um, it being a secure switch um, compared to just your average everyday IP type switch. Mm. So <clears throat> we're talking about a lot of complexity here and I think that's one of the interesting things when, when I read about the work that you guys were doing is, is you know, we're really talking about scale here and, and, and different systems and different, different suppliers and, and you mentioned BACnet before. Yes. Clearly that's something that's important to you guys, right, in, in, in being able to integrate these different systems and being able to monitor them. That's uh, several years ago, they decided to stick with BACnet because it's open, easy to manage. Um, you know, there does come the, the disadvantage of no security really built into it. But mm. be, like you said, being able to tie the systems into each other, or share information across multiple systems, um, doing energy management, we, we can push commands out to 
any one of the systems that we need to uh, to change its state. Uh, and actually, one of the things we're actually integrating with right now is scheduling. Uh, there's a piece of software the university is standardized on, and we are taking that scheduling system information, loading it into a, another piece of software that translates it to BACnet schedule and gives us the capability to shut rooms and off, rooms off based on occupancy um, scheduling. And That's so really we've seen some tremendous savings in some rooms where the room was running 24, you know, or like from seven o'clock in the morning till five o'clock at night, running full tilt and only used maybe twice during that whole week. Yeah, it's a great example. And then how are you measuring occupancy? Uh, do you have some kind of sensor in in the most in of our rooms we have an occupancy sensor um and the ones that we don't right now um we're looking to get a, a sensor in there and, and being able to start tracking that information better um because we do want to be able to if there's a person walks into a building a room that wasn't scheduled that it may kick on for a 15 minute interval uh, but not run for the rest of the day Mm. And, and, and you mentioned a little bit about BACnet before about some of the, the issues around, um, I can't remember the term you used, um, network, uh, were you getting a lot of network traffic or, 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 or storms, was it network storms? Yes, the, the BACnet broadcast storms. Maybe you could explain a little bit about that, about that. like what was, what was happening in those scenarios. Um, one of the things with BACnet is as soon as two devices try to look at a single point, that point becomes a broadcast. And so it just sends it out on the, the network and anybody that's listening will hear it. Um, when you have a large BACnet infrastructure like we do, that can be kind of cumbersome in some instances where um, one of our biggest offenders is lighting control systems. They tend to set their software up to do something called a blank who is. And basically it just says, who is everybody that's on this network? And currently we have 20,000 devices that will all of a sudden try to respond to that blank who is. Um, and so the, that misconfiguration of software and, and uh, there's a lot of different things we do with um, the, some of the balancing tools and commissioning tools that they use. They do similar things when they're trying to uh, jump on and discover a network and it, it can cause us some major headaches and so we've tried to minimize that by some of the security stuff we're putting into place now um, if we see an offending building uh, that starts going uh, it starts broadcasting more than it normally does then we have triggers that we can go out and basically just shut off that building and isolate it until the issue can be resolved that right. way, it doesn't impact the whole rest of the campus infrastructure. Right, and, and this was this term I heard you talking about before, micro-segmentation. Yes. Yeah, and yes. so that's super interesting, and maybe you could you could talk about that. I think you've been working with a provider, haven't you, to, in order to kind of cloak and isolate traffic from different systems? Yes, we partnered with uh, Tempered Networks, um, and it was about a year and a half ago that we started testing their product, and then have drastically increased our, our deployment of the product because we can actually tell the system what we want to talk to each other. So we can tell the 
lighting controller that it can talk to the lighting server. The BAS controller can talk to the BAS software. The elevator talks to the elevator server, but they don't cross. They can't change or all of a sudden start talking to another system unless we give it permission to do that. And so with that segmentation on, on each individual building, we've narrowed our attack vector down because one of our biggest open areas is the building. If somebody gets into a building telecom closet, hooks mm -hmm. in on our network, they, they used to have full access to the whole infrastructure because it was mm -hmm. just one big flat layer too. Now with the segmentation, if they get access to that one building, yeah, they might be able to do something to that building. They might be able to do something to that building server, but not to the whole rest of the campus or any of the other buildings associated with the system. Um, so we really narrowed down that attack vector and made it more difficult um, for somebody to take advantage of those telecom closets that are out in the field. That's really interesting. It's a great example, I think, of layering cybersecurity. You're yep. able to, to isolate these different things. And, and as you said, like if, you know, unfortunately, the way the world works at the moment, there's, it's likely at some point someone's going to try and attack the network. And at least if they do, then you can, uh, you can limit the amount of damage that they might, that they might be able to do. Yep. Um, and also read that you, it's not just building automation you've been looking at, you're also incorporating um, more components like utilities onto the system. Uh, how, yep. How's that working out for you? What, what, can you explain a little bit about um, what, what, what else and, and how you're, seems to me like you, you know, you're, um, you're broadening your, your scope quite a lot? Um, one of the issues is uh, a lot of the individual utilities groups kind of just been left to do their own thing and not all of it bad and, and not of it is malicious. It's just they, they don't understand IT networking or infrastructure networking and security. And so these air gap systems that they thought they had, people were plugging their cell phones into the computer to charge. Uh, people were randomly swapping USB drives between systems. Mm. Um, so we're now been charged with uh, taking these individual plant systems. So we have a steam plant, power generation, um, chilled water, water treatment, and wastewater management systems. And we're now bringing them underneath our umbrella with the tempered network solution, being able to secure the, the remote access to those information components that we want, that way we can just bring over the data that we need and share the data that they need across between each of the platforms. Um, we're slowly getting now into even um, sending data into the work order system. So we're taking elevator data, um, any trouble call that pops up through the elevator software interface actually automatically initiates a work order and gets somebody out quicker to the elevator whenever it's down. Um, so we're almost, we're, we're getting close to being able to completely be predictive in our incident response, which, you know, you have the, the guy basically walk into the room and say, I'm here to fix your elevator. And they say, well, it's not broken. It will be in <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. Click. <laughs> That's amazing. And, so, and are you using some uh, a software provider to help you with that, or is this 
been something that you guys have put together yourself? A lot of it's been in-house. Uh, there's there's a lot of power to the APIs available in some of these applications, and a lot of people don't take advantage of them. Um, our, we currently use for our work order system Maximo, and there's a powerful API in there that we can start sending a lot more information to them. Uh, we're looking at now um, looking at just being able to send uh, differential pressures across filters so that once it hits a trigger point in the work order system, a automatic uh, work order will be created, go out and swap out that filter because it's now hit a, uh, a limitation in the system. Um, it's really interesting starting to tie all these pieces together and uh, pull the data as we need it. Um, and, and we already had the data available. It doesn't make sense not to share it with other groups. Um, we have student interaction now too, where uh, students are working on projects where they want some of the data that we had. And before it was very hard for us to pull it from each individual system, put it into an Excel sheet, compile it together, and then get it over to them. Um, we're actually beginning to automate some of those processes and being able to export data for students to use um, for their research. Great. So it's having you know real knock-on benefits for for the whole of the university. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's fascinating. I mean, and I, my sense is that you're. You're certainly some of the things you're doing um, in terms of the industry as a whole is is well, well above the kind of level of um, of complexity and integration that I've seen. I mean, do you, are you getting a sense for that? Do you, do you what have you seen if other examples in the industry, or do you, are you not do you not really keep up with what others are doing? Oh, I I'm out at every conference that I can get to, <laughs> but, uh, talking with everybody and. It, it, it is scary to me that when I start talking to some of these other groups that they, they're so far behind. I find uh, several groups where they, they, they're still doing a single server per, per application. Um, they're not using virtualization at all. Mm. They're not looking at um, you know, hardening their networks. They're using uh, a Barracuda <laughs> or you know, some lower-end firewall as their uh, border control, and, and it, it just frightens me. <laughs> uh, do, you, do, do you get a sense of why that might be? I mean, obviously, you come from an IT background. You've obviously got a lot of experience in networking. Is it just that we don't have those, a lot of those skills within the industry, and, and it's not perhaps that attractive to come to, to building automation if you are you know, in the IT world? Yeah, and, and that's the big thing I see is there's – Unfortunately, there isn't a lot of people like me. There's not a single person you can go to at a university or business that knows both sides of the business. And so you have the IT guys sitting on one side, the building automation guys sitting on the other, and they don't like each other. For whatever reason, they just don't want to interact. They, uh, I've talked to several different groups where uh, I'm kind of playing mediator in the middle because I'm... I'm trying to tell them both both sides, you know, I understand that there, there are certain different requirements on the BAS side, but I can see it from the IT guy's perspective is they already built the infrastructure there and it's very robust infrastructure, then why not use it? Uh, so I, I kind of have to play both sides of the, the wheelhouse there. 
and, and that's the problem is it, there really isn't a specific person that does building automation and IT um, and, and the position doesn't exist. They haven't even figured out what to classify me as. A, they, they call me a network administrator, but that's really not an accurate uh, designation for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you said, I mean, that's, it's super interesting. You said that about the building automation IoT. It's like a collision of two worlds, isn't it, sometimes? So, uh, oh, IT. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, it's a common problem a lot of people come up with, come up against. Uh, I was going to ask you as well about, um, like, within the group, do you have certain key performance indicators that you, you're, you're striving to achieve? I mean, you, you can't mention, like, obviously energy efficiency and saving energy, but are there also um, other goals that, that, you, that you're trying to, you know, achieve within the group? Yes, our, our group um, just recently, um, under some new management have been able to start developing some KPIs around different criteria where we have our group as a whole, we have our own designers in-house, uh, we have our own analysts. Um, so we can pretty much build a building from ground up by ourselves, but we still integrate with partners and uh, different dealers to allow them to come in and do the jobs for us. Um, but any small little jobs, we can pretty much handle them. Because like I said, 90, 80% of the campus is is ALC. We, we, we eat, sleep, breathe ALC. We know it inside and out. And our group is really focused around that. Um, They'll be very happy to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's within that, then we've started looking at, all right, uh, how many projects have we closed over the last year? We're looking at um, network performance wise, you know, how many uh, are, we're, we're tracking it by packets per hour right now. Um, but one of the other pieces of software we started implementing um, kind of gives us a network score versus just a, a packets per second or whatever. It, it actually takes a lot of different information, key criteria, and uh, gives us a basically network health score. And so we're looking at taking, let's take the average of that number, and we want it to be uh, 75% across the whole infrastructure. Mm. Um, and, you know, and shoot for 100%, but, you know, if we can... Get it, keep it above eighty for the next year. You know that that in our book, that's a good thing because when you start taking all these construction jobs, we we just got hit with. Um, so we ju- we're at the end of our our last uh, last five year um, capital plan. We're beginning at July one with the new next capital plan. The previous one was three point two billion dollars. This next one is like $4.7 billion. So even more construction that happened the last five years is going to happen in the next five years. And as those construction projects come on, different people, people that don't understand our network and the, the scope of it, they can actually affect that performance. So we try to keep a really close eye on as those construction projects are brought online and tied into the network, tied into the servers, try to really strive to keep that traffic down, even though we have a lot of change happening. And mm-hmm. actually over the last year, we've averaged about 22,000 packets per hour of broadcast traffic, which in my book has been pretty stable network. We've taken up to a 300,000 uh, per hour spike and nothing went down. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> that's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, uh, it's also quite a varied um, 
campus, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about a lot of different types of buildings you're dealing with, everything from stadia to science, you know, uh, lab laboratories and and office buildings and um, educational buildings. And and even you look at the the research, um, you know, we're we're monitoring an an ice chest that's keeping a glacier's core sample that doesn't exist anywhere in the world today. There's a this glacier core. If it melts, you know, we're done. So we have critical alarms set up on that. That the incident response for that is less than 30 minutes to get over there and either fix the problem or see what where where we can transfer that to keep it frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you know you mentioned the sports facilities. We have uh, our ice rink. We have the stadium. We have uh, a baseball stadium. Um, you know, all those infrastructures have to be maintained to a certain level uh, for comfort and energy management. And we've had a lot more buy-in from the individual groups, uh, athletics and housing. Um, we've gotten a lot, of, a better response from them over the last couple of years at getting more control around the building automation stuff in there so that we can help them save money over the long term. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Are you also interested in some of the, the, the wellness um, initiatives that are happening, like air quality, for example, measuring and trying to improve that, or, or natural natural ventilation? Is, are these some of the things that you, you've seen others discussing and might be of interest? Uh, we're currently working on a couple of different things. Uh, we're looking at, uh, there was some research just recently released um, around uh, CO2 in classrooms and you know the CO2 levels uh, have an effect on the learning process and so we're now starting to put some CO10, CO2 sensors around in some of the classrooms to kind of get a better idea of uh, you know what are those levels uh, and are they higher than what's the current outside and how can we help increase the exchange rate of those rooms to eat, you know still save energy but still give a at least the best possible um, air quality that we can. Um, and then we actually have for lab facilities, we use a piece of software to be able to calculate the air quality and um, particles in the air as we're dumping stuff out into the environment. Um, high uh, uh, filtration rates for our bio level three facilities so that to make sure that the agents that they're working with don't get oh, they don't yeah. escape out into the, the environment yeah okay yeah exactly you see another example of the the huge kind of difference you have in all these different buildings the different requirements and different um aspects it's just fascinating well, and, and it's not like your traditional it where you got to worry about hipaa and pci and all those i got to worry about nrc and alac and <laughs> cdc and <laughs> All the other big government ones. <laughs> <laughs> what does the the future look like for for, for what you, you guys are doing? I mean, obviously you're bringing on, as you described, like a lot more new buildings, new construction, um, and you, you know you're going to be experimenting with with more integration or um, you know different approaches to to the way that you're currently operating your network. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Five years ago, wireless technology just wasn't where it should be, um, but now that's changed. And so we're looking at uh, one of the protocols, the N-Ocean protocol, um, to 
be able to put uh, temperature and uh, humidity sensors throughout a, uh, a book, a rare book collection. Um, and, you know, up to this point, they've been using data loggers to manually uh, record that information. The guy goes through once a week, writes all those numbers down, comes back, puts it into an Excel sheet, and then uploads it to a analytics package. You know, and, and now with the Ocean protocol, we can put temperature sensors every so many feet, have it automatically uploaded right to a uh, analytics package we use and and give them real time data versus the once a week that the guy gets around to all the facilities. Yeah, it's a um, huge improvement. What, what kind of analytics package are you using for that? Uh, currently, we are working with a product um, by Lucid called Building OS. Um, we have a pilot that's uh, going to start here within the next couple weeks. Um, their, their software was built originally around a campus. It was designed by a campus, so it, it really fits with our infrastructure and what we do. Um, and plus, one of our the big requirements for us is we don't want analytics pulling data directly from the building. Um, we have seen several examples of systems that when they are looking at the data directly from the controllers, they're actually taxing those controllers to a point that um, actually it doesn't allow the building to run efficiently. And so uh, the nice thing with the building OS is we are out, able to add a plugin to the automated logic software that will allow us to just automatically upload the trend logs from the, the server itself. So it doesn't have to interfere with the building controls system itself. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, good luck with all of the, um, the, the, the new implementations and new construction you're doing. It's, it's fascinating. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if people are interested in, in learning more about um, you know, how, what Penn State are doing, um, you, do you talk at events or is it possible for people to contact you? Yeah, people can contact me, and um, I've been talking at several events. I'm actually going to be at the uh, 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 RealCom IBCon conference, uh, talking to other education uh, groups. Um, and I've talked this past year at the ARC conference, um, which was kind of a different crossover for us. Uh, it's more industrial, but the, the same kind of principles apply um, between building automation and the industrial yeah, yeah, totally. Well, just reminds me to say thanks, Tom. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to have a chat with us today on the Smart Building Series. Thanks. No problem. Thank you.